we're back. It's your boys. <laughs> Third week in a row. Episode three. There's nothing cool we can say about an episode three. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's never a third in a trilogy that's titled something cool. Oh, man. Okay. So. Back again. The Prefer Not to Say podcast. I'm your host, James Bunn, also known as Boutique Paul. And I'm your co-host, Greg Tenbrink, also known as... Pad Thai Kenny. Yep. Pad Thai Kenny. Get <laughs> <laughs> a t-shirt made of that. You should make a character out of that. Someone draw Pad Thai Kenny. Pad Thai Kenny. I'll, I'll talk to my friend, see if he can do something for me. But so today's episode is the episode that really gets fun. The first two episodes were fun, also, but this is the one where you actually kind of get what the show really yeah, is. You get to experience it finally. First two definitely were kind of introductory. This one's more. The meat of the uh, content. Right, the meat, and then you'll get the potatoes and veggies eventually. Mm -hmm. So, for this episode, we decided to uh, do something fun. Uh, I think I'm going to call this episode, uh, just a moment. That was my phone. No, that was just a notification from my phone. Sorry about that, people. (laughs) (laughs) I just edited it out. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll probably leave it in there, just because. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to call this episode, uh, Trading Favorites. Cinema edition. Mm -hmm. And what we did was we each picked a movie, sat down and watched them, and now we're going to talk about them. Yeah. And uh, I think we should, I don't think we'll just go in order on how we watch the movies. So the first movie we watched, which was Greg's pick, was The Day the Earth Stood Still. Not not the remake with Keanu Reeves, the original. Yeah, the one from 1951. Yeah. The black and white one. (laughs) No one really suspects when I tell them that's one of my favorite movies. They're like, "Wait a minute, are you serious?" <laughs> Was is it because they think it's the they think the original first, um, or, or not the original but the remake? Yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it. The other is like going back to the last episode when I tell people about how I approach stuff. You know, being face value, they're like, "You don't you don't seem like the type to like the older theater films." You know, and I'm right? Like, uh, I'd surprise you, <laughs> right? Like like how, like you like to be choked. Yeah. Also. <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, I have a really big appreciation for old school sci-fi, mainly because as cheesy and dated as it looks, that was an accomplishment back in the day. Yeah, it was impressive with the technology they had. Especially because it was a lot harder to do it back then. Now you just, you know, get a team, do it all on the computer, <laughs> it's good to go. This one, you actually had to, like, hand make most things or, for you know... Sure. You know, photo trickery. Like uh, the the melted tanks fairly early in the film. That was hilarious. Yeah. The robot shoots the beam and it just sort of lights up and then just, you know, completely it's, melts. I think it's it's the uh, it's the sound the, the beam makes when he fires it is, is what gets me every single time. Because <laughs> it doesn't sound anything like, like what uh, a laser sounds like in traditional sci-fi. It sounds like... Sounds like so, a microwave. Oh, yeah, it sounds like that. <laughs> it sounds like a microwave mixed with like a bullet uh, ricocheting off metal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So yeah, so uh, I guess spoiler alert: if you've never seen the movie, what it is? It's the typical sci-fi movie from back in the day. UFO sighting. Everyone freaks out. They run to the spot where it lands, and then a dude ominously walks out, doesn't say anything, <laughs> in some sort of costume or a spacesuit. Tries to present uh, Earthlings with a device that would aid in the advancement of their technology. And gets what, shot. Yeah, and what, what do we do as Americans? <laughs> First thing you do, shoot. <laughs> and then and that's when he has his robot buddy Gort. vaporize their weapons and tanks. Yeah. 
Gorg is no joke. I love I love his costume <coughs> in the uh, in the original movie. It's 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 it looks <laughs> it looks cheap, and there's like there's points where you can be like there's like ah oh, there's holes in it or whatever, but it still it still gets me. Like I'm like that's something that I would dress up in at like a comic con, <laughs> right? Also, what a, you know the um part where his uh sort of eyes open up and mm. shoot the laser. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, and then uh you find out that the dude from another planet uh, named Klaatu, he looks like a human. Functionally, is he a human? Like they're even yeah. like all oh, the skeletal structures the same, organs are all in the right place. Except the guy who looks maybe in his early thirties is uh, quoted to be seventy eight years old. Mm-hmm. Life expectancy on his planet's one hundred and thirty. There's also a great moment because uh, when the when the government takes him in, they have the doctors you know patch up his wound because you know he got shot because because that's awesome. And uh, turns out he he brings some funky space ointment that heals him instantly. And it gets the doctors questioning whether or not they should do medicine anymore. It's it's the video game logic healing cell. Like you apply this and it fixes all your wounds in right. seconds. He, to quote a doctor, he says, I don't know if I should get drunk or quit medicine. <laughs> <laughs> That's also the, the better part about like the older sci-fi movies. Is there's some really funny one-liners in there that just like you don't get these. Yeah. <laughs> or if you do, it's just like a quote from one of those movies. Right. Like uh I mean the most famously quoted line from the entire movie is uh it was a Klaatu Barada or no Gor- yeah Klaatu, Klaatu Barada Nikto. Yeah. That's everywhere. And a lot of people know that and don't even know what movie it's from. Right. They're like wait a second. I've heard that in probably five other movies. I don't know where it originated. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a really really good film. I enjoy it and that's why you were like pick one of your favorites. I was like it was like this or Snowpiercer. <laughs> But I'm a sucker for Snowpiercer, too. Yeah, I think uh, it definitely shows that it was a different time back then. Mm-hmm. Especially the part where, because uh, Klaatu eventually escapes, and he steals someone's wardrobe and assumes someone else's kind of identity. He ends up at a boarding house, and he befriends a woman and her son. And it's kind of weird, because there's a point where uh, the mom's boyfriend comes, like, hey... You want to go out? And she's like, I don't have uh, anybody to watch my son. And he's bit, like. <laughs> a bit of context. She had met him like eight hours prior. Yeah. She, <laughs> yeah. Eight hours prior. He's like, I need a room. She's like, okay. And then he's like, well, I'll watch him. Oh, man. And that's a, that's kind of weird that she was like, oh, it wouldn't be a bother, would it? Like, I'll just like, leave hold on, my what? kid with a strange man. It's okay. And right. it's not just like hanging out at the house where there's other supervision. Like they go about town just walking around. <laughs> Yeah, they do. They just go hang out. Like, it's, is that normal? You know, just grown men befriending little kids. I, guess. I mean, I guess you could do that back then because you know we don't quite have the problem as much. Yeah, back then as we do now. Yeah, because if if somebody was about the weird stuff that happens these days, they probably just got lynched. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so yeah, they yeah they end up going uh you know across you know hang out about the town, and there's a point where. I think what was the idea was to go to the movies. And then he's like, do you need money to go to the movies? Do you think they'll take these? He pulls out like these weird diamonds. <laughs> and you, you know, Earthlings are probably like, whoa, where'd you get all these diamonds? <laughs> he's just like, this is just a, a commonplace currency. It's easy. It doesn't degrade. It's small. Like It serves all our purposes. So we, don't, <laughs> we don't understand what the hell your dollar bills things are. <laughs> right. And uh, do they go to the, I think, don't they go to the ship? Hmm? After that, yeah. Oh no, they go to, to no. What was it? Was it the Washington Monument? Oh yeah, they go to the Washington Monument, <laughs> and uh, 
Klaatu is talking about how, uh, like, he reads the the uh, inscription in the monument, and he's like, these are the words of a great man. I need to meet a man like this, because, you know, he's, he, he came to Earth with a purpose. You know, he has a message to convey, but it, if he just, like, they offered to take him to the president, and that wasn't enough. He's like, no, this isn't, like, this is too important to be left with one person. It has to be told to all the peoples of the world. Right, so uh, he... he... Is the dude a scientist or like a mathematician or something that he tries to bring him to? Because he's like, he's like, I, I want to look for a, a I'm great sure man. They just, they just call him a scientist. Yeah, they, so they, I don't bring, think they go into a specific field. They bring him to his place and they notice he's not there. But Klaatu notices he's got a a large equation he's working on, and then so they break in. And he helps him out because he's like, oh, he's not going to solve this the way he's doing it. So he just starts adding a bunch of things to it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was probably his receptionist came in. I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? And then out. he's like, oh, here, give him my information. <laughs> I'd like to discuss this further <laughs> this with him. This is where he can find me. <laughs> Trust me, he'll want to talk. And then it's... so she she proceeds to go to the chalkboard to try to race it. And he's like, I wouldn't erase that if I were you. He needs that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's hilarious how like the way he goes about fixing it is almost like uh an an elementary school teacher grading homework assignments like he just puts check marks next to the shit that's right or wrong or whatever i don't know that's that's <laughs> right that's, a, couple that's of a mathematical formula i can't read <laughs> but, but and then he just starts adding stuff which by the way i don't think that scene worked out as well as it could like they shouldn't have shown him actually drawing because i know that actor didn't know a goddamn thing he was writing on that board <laughs> right so like it's it's like he wrote just like some scribbles and then some numbers and then like uh, the sine cosine right <laughs> that's what it looked like I, you to know me. I, I you know maybe that scene was what inspired the whole equation scene in goodwill hunting probably i mean that'd be really funny if that's what it was cuz that scene he's just sort of like writing it and then he's like mm-hmm. hey what are you doing he just like tries to get away and the teacher's looking like the hell hold on he solved it <laughs> so yeah oh. and then uh and then from there the scientist gets a hold of him and he goes off to meet him and then he's just straight up like yeah i'm the spaceman <laughs> like full disclosure i'm that dude i'm the alien i'm about this i'm here yeah because <laughs> his whole his whole purpose is to warn people which is the thing that you know it's kind of funny how movies do a better job at trying to handle situations in real life because he's like yeah look you guys everything will be fine if you don't become a threat to the universe if you do that we will destroy you well okay so that's that's the threat of extinction making them like fall in line though like uh, if for it to happen in the real world literally the same situation would have to happen some higher form would have to show up and be like y'all need to chill out or your whole planet's going bye bye like fuck your religions fuck your fuck your differences fuck your lines in the sand it's like hey chill out or you're done that's i honestly i think that that's what would like that would probably solve a lot of problems on Earth if we were just like, all right, everyone needs to be cool with everyone, or we we'll had just a... <laughs> blast the planet. <laughs> or if we had a real version of Dr. Manhattan just show up like, yo, everybody, come on, calm down. I've been yeah. watching you guys for a while. This is silly. <laughs> yeah, and then... Uh, I'm trying to think of what happened next. After the... Oh, well, no, there was a... No, because then it was a... He, he asked for a demonstration. To, to put the, the, the gravity of the situation in scope for everyone. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, right, I remember that part. Tomorrow I, was just, I was just thinking it was, because um, when he goes back home, and what, I forget the little boy's name. Nobody remember remembers it? the little boy. Nobody boy's remembers name. it? Well, he's, going, he's off to bed, 
his mother puts him in bed. Where there's just a funny moment where she's like, "Go to bed," and mm-hmm. then he's like, "I think she's going out. I think she's going to a movie or something with her boyfriend." Yeah. And he, he she puts him in the bed, like about to talk him. <laughs> and in. what does he say? Uh, I forgot what he says, but um, I think she's talking. He's talking about Klaatu about or talking to her about Klaatu or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Don't forget to brush your teeth." It's like you just put him in bed. Like, he's supposed to get out of bed and brush his teeth, then yeah. go back to bed. <laughs> And then Klatsu walks in, because uh, he obviously stays up. He pulls out this ridiculously large train set just from under his bed. It's literally the size of his bed. Yeah, it's the Isn't size it? of his mattress. He just pulls it right out under. <laughs> turns it on. He's like, hey, can I borrow this? And d- Does he take like the transformer or something from it? He takes the batteries for a flashlight, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he needed the flashlight to signal Gort. Oh, right. And then he was like, yeah, the, the lights aren't turning on in my room and then he leaves and then little boy looks out at his room lights on and then he turns them off mm-hmm. <laughs> he What's leaves he and so he's falling. like what is he doing goes follows him to the park where the spaceship is and he's like what's going on and he's like oh man he's the spaceman <laughs> there's also a great scene where um gort takes out the guards <laughs> and it does the classic thing where his hands raise up behind him it shoots the little boy and he's like sh- he's like in distress shocked and then just the you dudes are just ominous out cold. noise and it goes back and this two dudes just laid out on the ground well i mean there's no way that you could have had that scene like actually in the movie with that outfit like because it it does not allow for the mobility <laughs> right i could just for some reason i just imagine just taking both their heads and just like smashing them together like coconuts mm. just pow done that's how I view it too. It's like when when he picked her up, short picked up uh, the female lead shortly after in the like following scene. Or no, wait, it was a couple scenes later after he got captured. But when he picks her up, he walks off screen and then just comes back. Oh with yeah. His arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's a great part where um, he actually meets up with the woman. Cause, uh, oh no, no, the little boy goes home and then she's telling his mom, he's telling his mom what happened. Like, yeah, he's him. I saw this crazy stuff. And she's like, you were just dreaming because you know, parents have to do that kind of, you know, mind nonsense. Like, no, it was all a dream. You didn't see this thing that you probably did, but I just won't accept it. Oh my God. And then he claps back with that. Yeah. I wouldn't call you a liar. I was like, I like this kid. (laughs) The best part was, uh, Cause the boyfriend was there too. And he's hearing this and they're just like, what are you talking about? So he's like, just go up to bed. And he's like, all right. And she's like, your pants are wet. Yeah. The grass was wet. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to tell you that I was out. <laughs> oh man. He ends up giving him, uh, I think the diamonds to, to like prove that. Oh yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He ends up giving the diamonds and the boyfriend goes and takes them off. He's like, I'm going to have these appraised, see what they're worth or if they're real. Right. And then he, and I think that's when he meets, Klaatu meets her. Is that one? And then they go in the elevator? Yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, the, the, the title moment happens. <laughs> All electricity is down, and he's like, what time is it? <laughs> Noon? Oh, yeah, we'll be here for a half hour. <laughs> She's like, what? She's like, yeah. Yeah. I did we, this. <laughs> and then he basically explains the whole thing, and she's just like, shocked that this is actually true mm-hmm. meanwhile her boyfriend's at the jeweler and the jeweler's like i have never seen a diamond like this before in my life and he's like what <laughs> he's like i'll pay you for him i'll give you a good price he's like, no i'm good <laughs> turns into that resident evil four seller what are you selling <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great i like i like um the way i like how advanced they made his technology <clears throat> seem when they explained 
exactly what was shut down when he when he stopped the earth for 30 minutes oh yeah because literally almost everything shut down it was like he 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 isolated and accepted planes that were currently in flight and hospitals anything that would keep people alive that's genius he's like i'm not trying to kill anybody (laughs) i just want people to know i could shut all of this down just because (laughs) yeah and then uh Oh yeah, she goes. So the woman goes to her boyfriend, trying to tell him what's going on. And he figures it out, and he's trying to like call the government, like, "Hey, look, we got him. Mm-hmm. I know exactly where he is." And she's like, "Don't do this." This whole time, oh, there's also a little like side thing where he wants to marry her, and by the end, she's like, "I'm not marrying anybody." I I, I thought it was like uh, like looking back on it now in like today's political climate, I I feel it's like important to see see scenes like that because it gives you that kind of perspective back then. Because he just like. They hadn't talked about marriage. They weren't like what I'd call dating, dating. They he'd taken her out to see a movie a couple times, you know, and then he's like, I'm the man you're gonna marry, blah 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 all this like <laughs> like she doesn't have a choice. And I'm like, that's kinda how it fucking was if you go far enough back. <laughs> so like, I'm your man. Deal with it. He's like, No, I'm not marrying nobody. I think it's a little important to uh bring up the fact that uh she she's widowed and that her husband was military and that's why like they oh yeah there was a scene where the uh oh that actually goes to a key stuff. scene where the boy brings Klaatu to a military cemetery mm-hmm. and he was asking about it like it's like are all your dead buried here he's they're like no and he's like it's like did they die in war yeah and right. he was just like basically he's like yeah, we don't have some. We have cemeteries, but not like this. Well, yeah, not like you guys, because they don't have war. So like, they see a mass burial like this, and he's like, "This is fucked. Your people are doing shit wrong." Right, and then there's a, then uh, <clears throat> then a little after it's a uh, the woman and Klaatu in a taxi, and the police are following him. And there's a point where Klaatu jumps out. And he's like, "Get away!" He runs, and of course, shot again. <laughs> That's just what we do. This time fatally. Yeah, this time <laughs> fatally. <laughs> Load him full of bullets. Put his ass down. That's when he told her, like, go go to the ship, tell Gort Klaatu Varatu Nikto. Yeah. And then she goes and does. And, uh, oh, no, wait. No, before that, there, there are a couple other guards that Gort wastes with his laser. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where, where they're just like... <laughs> well, that's, that's when she shows up. That's what, like, clears yeah. it out. For her to, to run up. But just blast them. They just vaporize them with the disappear. laser. This time, nothing remains. Like, when he melted the tanks, there was, like, melted metal on the ground. He hits these guys with them, and they just disappear. <laughs> I'm like, that is that is ridiculous. <laughs> and so, um, after he says that, he carries her into the ship, locks her in the ship, leaves, mm-hmm. breaks out Klaatu, once again with Bra- this va- vaporizing breaks out, laser. <laughs> breaks out Klaatu's corpse. <laughs> yeah, because he's dead. Um, yeah, he just blasts the wall and just disappears. And he's like, all right, let's go, buddy. <laughs> Brings him back, hooks him up to a machine, and revives him. Because yeah. that's how science fiction works. I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, what? I want this technology. I can just eat bullets and then wake up 15 minutes later. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, yeah, there's the moment where... Oh, at this point, everyone's gathered at the spaceship because they, you know, they're trying to hold that gathering mm-hmm. to talk things out. And then they're like, "You, we're not doing this anymore. It's Trust too me. dangerous." Gort it's... killed a couple people. Like, and Klaatu walks out, and he just basically gives them warning. I'm like, "Look, 
Your your species has discovered atomic energy, and you're gonna use it for bombs and stuff. As long as it is like maintained only on your planet, then we don't care. But you present a threat to other worlds, so we have to step in and be like, you stop or you die. Yeah, uh, and, and then he also explains like like his robot friend Gort. Planets where he's from, they have a few of them roaming around. So if you get out of line. They just take you out. Yeah, instantly erases the aggressor in any situation. They've, in his words, they've given up. Uh, what was it? They've 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 given these these autonomous machines complete uh, authority over everyone in in that regard, so that there is no more hostility. There is no more violence or war. It's like you have these unthinking, unfeeling machines. Well, I shouldn't say unthinking. These unfeeling machines that. As soon as you act out, they just erase you. Like they don't, no, no, <laughs> no trial, no trying to take you pe- peacefully or alive is just gone. Threat is gone, and then we continue about so our. So we have one of those Trump. We just been wasted already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just anybody that yeah, have gone around literally like, anyone. Uh, you done, done. I'm gonna vaporize you. Yeah, you're taken out. <clears throat> but he he explained that is like he's like yeah it's. It's not perfect. I won't. I won't say what we have is perfect, but what we have is is safe and allows us all to uh, uh, put our efforts into more more profitable endeavors as opposed to war and bloodshed. And then from there, he's like, "All right, guys, I'm out," and then just leaves. Yeah. You know, I, I find it amazing how so many of these stories end up. The aliens are cool. They mean no harm. They're just trying to tell you guys, "Hey, you guys need to chill out." I mean, that's I, I, honestly, I think that's every everyone who believes that aliens exist. That's their uh, that's their their fantasy is that if they're so advanced that they're yeah they're beyond the problems that we have. But that's like the savior solution, the savior complex. You know, they they want to find something that has more power than them that can fix everything for them, as opposed right. to just <laughs> looking introspectively. And being I, I like right. how there's always a savior complex and always per- <clears throat> there's a perceived superiority in certain things like you know there's always like in race movies there's the white savior complex that mm-hmm. dominates the ending resolution but here it's like oh the aliens are the the, the aliens are above white people <laughs> it's it's like that man it's crazy you would think people would take a hint after all these different stories come out <laughs> I don't, but it's, like, it's, like, oh, it's just a movie that's not yeah. realistic like what do you mean we can make it realistic it's like um it's like people at protests that hold up the signs for like climate change you know every disaster movie starts with a scientist who's ignored and like that's a that's a you know, you know that's obviously a parallel to what's going on that's just kind of how it is like these days you know Somebody, somebody brings forth an idea. It's like this can, this can save so many lives, or this can, you know, help us in the future. All it will cost is a little bit of money, and then people lose their fucking minds. It's like, <laughs> what dollars? No, <laughs> right? You know, except except for certain situations, like what was it? The the Notre Dame church burned down, and a billion dollars was instantly poured in by yeah. rich people. Yes. It's like, man, we got all sorts of problems going on. Australia is on fire right now, and. Where are those billions of dollars going to help that? So glad we rebuilt a church. Did you see uh, Trump? Trump's claiming we we we've now spent two trillion dollars on military equipment in preparation for the 
Like, oh. if Iran does this, we're going to take this up. They have apparently 52 sites they're going to strike if they retaliate. Iran is tiny. Mm. If they do anything, one bomb will take care of all of it. We don't need to spend $2 trillion preparing for an, an overwhelming show of force to, to quell a single place. Apparently there's a apparently there's a small minority. Uh, I'm assuming small minority of Ar- Iranians who are glad he's dead and baking cakes in celebration. <laughs> I don't know. The world's weird. I don't even know what to believe anymore. I'm just like, what's going on? Like Twitter and uh, other social media just has things so obscure to where I like, why is everything existing on this media? These media is exclusively like the news doesn't even matter. You just go on Twitter and you're just like, what the hell's going on? Well, it's because the information is relayed by like actual people as opposed to a major news outlet, which is going to take it and change it to fit their angle. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if only Klaatu would come to Earth. Now yeah, I'd be so happy. <laughs> show, up with, show, show up with the modern version of Gort. <laughs> this I would it, I wouldn't even know if it was like uh, a benevolent alien like Klaatu, but like if I saw a saucer land, I'm right there at the front door waiting for help. <laughs> You're just like, I don't, all right. Like, what, <laughs> What's up, dude? <laughs> one of two things is gonna happen. He's gonna come out and be peaceful, or I'm gonna fucking die. Either way, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not gonna show up with Gort. He's gonna show up with RoboCop. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. But yeah, oh, that's. I mean, that was the the plot of the movie. It's it's, pre, it's pretty interesting. It's one it's of my definitely favorites. something you should watch. Honestly, any any old sci fi, just watch. It's a, it's a fun time. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say is like? What was your what was your favorite moment? Because you know, the face in the faceless. What was the moment that made you like start disassembling this movie? I think there wasn't a particular moment. It definitely, I was kind of observing. I always observe how things are done, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's not just, not just how the story goes, but how the movie was made. There are certain shots that are really cool. Like when, um, <clears throat> was it the, Oh, when he first goes to the boarding house for a room mm-hmm. and the way the lighting's set up, Oh, so so he's completely it's, it's blacked like, it's out. It's like yeah. by him, like behind him, he walk you walks through the door. There's all this light, but then when he walks forward, there's just a silhouette of him. And then when he moves forward, even into light, it's just half of his face is obscured by darkness. I, I like to call that the uh, the the ominous G man effect. <laughs> well, it's something you would also find often in noir movies, mm-hmm. like old classic noir, where it's you know shadows and other things are you know. That is to set a certain aesthetic, and that kind of you know gave it. It's like, oh, this dude's a mystery man, and he's like, oh, I just need a room. <laughs> no one knows he's the alien. No one questioned it either. They're like, who are you? I'm Carpenter. Did Mr. Carpenter? Ask, yeah, okay. <laughs> Did you ask for first or last name? Just Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I also um, I also really like the score. I like scores from sci-fi movies back then because mm-hmm. they're all really bizarre and bugged out because. Yeah, I think uh, I think I had read before I watched it. It was because uh, it was by a composer Bernard Herman, who's most famous for doing the score for Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. But you know that classic scene in the shower—that's <clears throat> really tense. That was what I was gonna say. Like as soon as the credits started rolling at the beginning of the movie, you, you started pointing out names. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> right. I was I was doing what I do. Like, See? oh, I know that dude. <laughs> No, yeah, because it was. I think he said he used like uh, it was like organs. He used like a theremin and just mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what I like about composers like him is like you know, especially back then it's like you had to be really they were creative, especially you know, 
I mean, it was the days before the synthesizer, yeah, obviously, but they had to just come up with really cool sounds, and I think it really fit. And then, you know, obviously the sound design is really, it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like, man, they really, uh, I can only imagine what it was like in 1951 watching this. They probably thought it was real. <laughs> I mean, there's the old there's the old story of when um, early, early days of cinema, like way early, there was a scene uh, in a movie theater where a car- where a, a train's, com- like, moving towards the camera everyone evacuates the theater and they're freaking out because they think it's real <laughs> like, they've never seen that before so they're just like oh no we gotta go and they just like all booked it and it's like, nah, dude this is just picture, that's moving crazy pictures, dude i you mean know? yeah the the first time somebody ever saw a movie though that would that would shock me that's like being introduced to an entire new form of uh perception imagine going back in time and showing them something like transformers Oh my goodness! They, they, they would they, probably shoot they, themselves. They'd, they'd be like, "Nope." <laughs> they'd walk outside. They start like poking their car. Like, are you about to turn into a man? What is this? <laughs> what, what, what is this sorcery? <laughs> That's like it's like every time they do that man out of time thing where they take somebody from like I don't know fuck fourteen hundreds <gasps> and show them like what cars are. They're like, "What are these these metal dragons?" Like, <laughs> right? What are these metal beasts? <laughs> I will slay it. <laughs> they hit it with a stick. What is going on? It's, its shell is very, very tough. But no, I also, I just like, I think I also like it because it also reminded me kind of a, almost similar to the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Twilight, Twilight Zone is one of my favorite TV shows ever. And I think the thing I always take away from it is how universal the theme is. Like the Twilight Zone, like that, it's, it's such an influential show because the basic story is so relevant to any generation. Mm-hmm. Like, this is it, you know? It's You almost liken it to, you know, nowadays, if an alien came here and was like, you guys need to chill out, people would probably have the same reaction. I mean, we might shoot faster than they did in the movie. Yeah, but... <laughs> it, 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 in that movie where it was, a, it was a soldier that shot first, it'd just be a random citizen carrying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's in the center of a park somewhere and 12 people shoot him. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd also have, you know... <laughs> the barrage of weaves Naruto running to the site just to see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I saw this one uh, meme. It was, um, if if the military all goes to Iran, <laughs> they'll be distracted. We can go break into Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't be joking about the potential of World War Three, even though it's not going to happen. But <laughs> Right. I mean, there's, it's like all in so all. so damn funny. All, yeah, all in all, it's just, you got to think about it. It's like, the way civilization works, it's, it's we've we've had threats like this. Anybody's had this kind of threat at some point in history. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, you know, take from it what you will. I mean, I, you're right. You shouldn't laugh, but the memes are always so funny. So yeah, that was a uh, that was you know we watched the day the Earth stood still, sci-fi classic. Definitely watch it. It's it's fun. It's it's the kind of thing you'd see on TMC mm-hmm. or TCM, whatever it was called back in the day. In the days of cable, if you watched it, Turner Classic Movies. So I think it's now time for a water break. Oh yeah. So grab your water bottles, everybody, and chug a lug. <laughs> and we're back (laughs) we're we're back for 
part two. <laughs> part part two of this episode where it's going to get really fun. So for the second movie, I decided to pull out my all-time favorite movie, Upstream Color, which was written and directed by acclaimed director Shane Carruth, who was previously known for the sci-fi movie Primer. If you haven't seen that movie, watch it. It's a really awesome time travel movie that is definitely not like any other time travel movie. So, um... Oh, I should probably preface this. I showed you Primer before this movie. Yeah, a, a good deal in between, or a good deal of time in between the two, I should say. Like, so, so what was it like watching Primer after I just? Because I basically told you, oh, it's a time travel movie, but it's a little bit different. Um, Primer. Uh, I feel like that's a movie you kind of have to reveal a little bit of the plot to somebody to get them at least interested in. Because it for like the first. 30 minutes or so it is just kind of two guys talking about a project that you don't like see you know for, it, for it, they, they the do movie. tests too and you just don't quite understand it because like it's all he's, tech talk he's, he's dropping paper over a device and you're like okay what is this but like um once it gets to the big reveal and you realize that it's a time travel movie it gets so interesting and you just you're like as soon as that scene happens you're just you're caught you're like you're there you're seeing the rest of the movie no matter what like you could be seeing it before you go to work, and you're like, "I'll call in late." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I gotta see. I gotta this finish goes. this, or or you just you have to like try to find it. It's like, is it on YouTube? I'll just mm-hmm. watch it on my break. <laughs> but yeah, Primer was a really good movie. And then, I think before you know a while ago, I showed you a trailer for Upstream Color. Now, do you want to explain your experience with that? Because I know you kind of had this like. You kind of had this yeah, like was, WTF was, look on your face yeah. with question marks all around. I was like, "What? What is? What is?" I was trying to figure out what the movie was about off of the trailer, and it's one of those trailers where you kind of can't. And you have to watch it in yeah. order to get it. <laughs> so, the, from from what I what I saw the trailer, you see like um, these flash cuts of uh, of like pigs running around and some like uh, I don't want to say sci fi stuff because it doesn't get too like fantasy. Um, and then it comes to a point where he's like, it seems like the guy's in an interview, and uh, because it was it's at the beginning of the trailer where mm-hmm. he sa- the dude says, "I have to apologize." Um, my head is made. I have, of the- I, I, yeah, he said, uh, "I was born with a condition where my head is made of the same material as the sun," and then it kind of drops out and starts. The trailer comes in, and mm-hmm. you're just like, "What's going on?" And then you see all these things like you see like pigs flowers there's a gun just all this weird stuff happening someone's in a pool it's a lot of stuff cut together and it it, it just it's a lot of imagery to take in but it doesn't reveal any of the plot it ends with a a character cutting down a tree yeah so (laughs) so you see that trailer you get kind of confused you're like is is this a movie or is this like (laughs) an interview of this guy with like i don't know some crazy stock footage he has but it was it was interesting, and then yeah, and then we watched it. And then we watched it. Uh, the I don't want to explain the plot in too in depth because I honestly want people to you want hear people this to see it and then see it, you know. <laughs> but so stop me if I get too descriptive. But <laughs> the intro of the movie is kind of weird. Like you have these this group of boys and what what appears to be uh, uh, them doing some. Uh, you have have you ever like heard of the uh, the like ritual that young boys used to go through where they become blood brothers? Yeah, where they yeah. like cut their hands and mix their blood all that crap. It, it's like some some like bonding stuff that they're doing there, but it's like them mirroring each other's movements. And I'm just kind of like watching. I'm like, all right, this is 
this is a different take on that, I guess, because it seems cool. And then, like, I see them drinking stuff, and I'm like, what? What? What is this? Like, maybe this is their first time t- trying alcohol or something, and that's, like, how they're bonding. And then you see them, like, dropping worms into stuff and all these, like, uh, these cutaways to, like, uh, uh, a microscope view of uh, some fluids mixing. And I start to piece it together, and I'm like, something they do to this worm is is helping them bond. I didn't. It didn't really dawn on me exactly what was happening until they did it to someone else. You know? Yeah. But to 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 wrap all that up in like one quick little statement, it's fucking mind worms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mind control bugs. That's basically what it is. You get to that part, you're just like, once you figure it out, you're like, oh, that's why they're being weird. Yeah. Uh, but going into the going into the the deeper parts of the movie, um, you see this guy. He's like cultivating these plants or like looking for these the specific strain in these plants, and that's where he's pulling all these worms from to allow him to do this mind control thing. And then he like puts them, uh, takes the the little worms, puts them in a in a capsule, and uh, starts like he goes out on the street like he's looking to try to sell drugs. And I love the way that he did it. It was almost like. The, the creator of the movie went and tried to buy drugs. Like, that's how he got... <laughs> like, how, how he's just sort of kind of going around town. Like, he meets somebody in the club, and he's just like... like he's just he kind of posting out, and he notices somebody looks at him, and he just pulls his baggie with two little pills out of his pocket, and that person looks away, and he puts it back. I'm like, that's how drug deals go down. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, like, that's how drug... Like, the, the shady drug dealers look for new buyers, but... And then you, uh, well, you, you get to the part where um, the main character, Chris, is introduced, and she obviously works in the film industry. They're, one of the first scenes is her looking at footage, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually test footage of that Shane Carruth made for another movie he was trying to make before it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and that was something he did by himself. It was supposed to be this uh, side note. He was trying to get this film going called A Topiary. And the script's online if you want to read it. And it was supposed to be this big sci-fi epic. And it just didn't go through because no one wanted to give him money for it. He even got it down to where he was pitching it. Look, I can make this whole thing for $14 million. I'll do most of the special effects myself. Like, give me the money for it. Mm -hmm. Like, he had, like, you know, directors like David Fincher and Steven Soderbergh trying to help him get financing. And no one was biting. But it's, you know, it goes back to Primer was really weird. So everyone, you know, he says that everyone wanted to be his friend in case he was the next big thing. But... No one actually wanted to to invoke. be involved. So yeah, so um, yeah, and then there's just a point where you know it does the kind of like the typical thriller thing where she's kind of out and about, dudes lurking in the shadows. Not even shadows. He's just sort of standing by. And then there's a part where you know cuts to black, opens up. He like pushes open a door, pulls her out in the rain, forces her, forces a bug down her throat. I like this. the way he did it with like with one of those uh. With oxygen pumps? Yeah, an oxygen it was, pump. Oh, yeah, it was genius. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, it goes up or it goes down the way you think it was. You know, he has mind control. Because, you know, with the boys, it was more so they both drank it. So it was kind of like a thing where it was like they were connected. But this mm. is the point where, you know, he's just controlling her. And it just, you know, clears her out of all of her finances. You know, kind of spends a few days there. You know, manipulating how she is. Does the uh, my my head's the same surface of the sun interview? Which like you, the big reveal on that I really appreciated because like 
going into the movie, I was expecting some sci-fi element there where like his face was like it, like incomprehensible, but he was just hiding his head behind a lamp and he was using that <laughs> that description to get her to like look away cuz like she was tripping out. Well, what so it is, I don't even think it was a lamp. Was I think bright. that was legitimately what she was seeing. I don't know about that. Cuz like if if that's the case then why didn't she see <sighs> other things? I think like it was I think it was part like mental suggestion and using what was around him, which would be a lamp. Oh, it could be. I, I think it was just more so like when he was moving and the light was moving. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was the combination of two. She just tripped out. So she's like, I can't look at this dude in the face. His face is the sun. <laughs> so that, that, that's also the fun part. It's like, when did you get that reveal? You're like, oh, this is actually kind of smart. It's not like typical like, oh, my head's just the sun. It's like, no, nah, he's he's putting this power of suggestion to work. Like, oh, hey, you can't. That's how she'll never be able to identify You don't know what the truth him. is. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, yeah, he pretty much just does yell, clears him out. Clears out his finances, or clears out her finances. Um, the, they weave Dave, Henry David Thoreau's Walden into the story, which it, it kind of clicks later on. But, you know, there's this part where she's literally, like, handwriting all the pages down and making some sort of, like, paper chain link. Mm-hmm. And then just a bunch of other weird stuff. And when he's done... The water. The water was... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a part where... Uh, you know, he has her primarily consuming only water, which is something we obviously appreciated. The H2O. <laughs> I saw, Hydro homies. I saw that and I started thinking, fuck, someone's mentally conditioning me to drink, to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> and then once it, you know, once he, once he's done, she snaps out of it. You know, she tries to go to work and she gets fired. Because <laughs> he hasn't been, she hasn't there, been there, there. She's like, I had the flu. I left a message. <laughs> goes to the store, tries to buy stuff. All her finances are cleared. She goes to the bank. like, look, I didn't sign this. They're like, we've got footage of you. Uh, this, this yeah, she has you. printouts of all this footage <laughs> of her going to places. And then, um, so this dude single handedly <laughs> destroyed her life, and it was it was interesting. Actually, uh, that was that's no, all after the, the. Yeah, well, we should uh, take a few steps back and take talk a few about steps, the well, we removal. Should... <laughs> So, so to just break it down, the worm spreads through her body because after she's not quite snapped out of it yet. So yeah, because I, I kind of got ahead of it. You actually meet this dude who shows up to a field with speakers, plays mm-hmm. a really weird frequency, and then it draws her there. And then he basically does the whole process of you know getting removing this worm thing from inside of her and it uh, implanting it in a pig yeah implanting it in a pig which we're not gonna go into too much detail about that but uh actually you know what you know this is we're here when it's full of spoilers doesn't matter (laughs) if you watch it explaining it doesn't even ruin the movie you just you have to watch it because it's primarily like a visual thing but yeah he implants it in a pig sends the pig off or takes the pig back to his farm you know and releases and, her back into the uh, wild, so to speak. Yeah, and then uh, and then she leaves, and then and that's when she wakes up. She wakes up in her car, just randomly somewhere, and that's where she finds out like everything got messed mm-hmm. up. And then you know, this is the part. Well, it was a. Uh, this should be known that this was originally defined uh, primarily on Wikipedia and a couple other places as a um, romantic sci-fi thriller. I I could see that. So the, the thriller part was kind of the first third. The second third is um. She ends up meeting. Uh, she ends up by chance meeting another victim of this by who goes by the name of Jeff, who's played by the director Shane Carruth, who is. <laughs> she didn't know he was a victim of it. Well, she didn't, she didn't know a victim at, at first. Like they find that out later, but um, which it, it, I think it's unfair how talented this man is, mm-hmm. because just from those two movies, it's like this dude's a really good actor. But the fact that he wrote it, directed it, 
This one, he produced it, but he had other co-producers and other financiers. Mm -hmm. uh, he composed the score by himself. He was a cinematographer. Obviously, he had cameramen working for him. And I think this is the one where, uh, when it was edited, he had a co-editor, which is director David Lowry, who is a very talented director in his own right. Um, he's done many films. I think one of his biggest films was, uh, he did, a uh, was it Pete's Dragon? I don't know Never if you saw trailers it. for that. No, no it, it came out in the, in the past few years. But, um... Yeah, so she meets him, and I don't know if this dude this is the smoothest dude in existence or if he just got lucky on how he actually ends up dating her because he, he kind of does it in a weird, creepy approach. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like the way he when, when he started talking to her, I, I started to think, I was like, is he trying to portray somebody who's on the spectrum? Like, because he's not, he doesn't have the, the, the subtleties that go along with navigating the social world. Because <laughs> he meets her, he's like, because she, she works at a signage shop at this point. She's explaining, like, what she does and stuff, gives her the card. He's like, he's like I'm going to call. I don't need signage, just, just so we're clear. I'm going to call you. And he says it, like, three <laughs> times, though, in, inside, like, 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <And then> he, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the best part is the fact that um, he catches her on the subway again, because that's where he typically sees her. He's like... This I is, called. You this have is, to, you have to answer. That's the scene where I was like, "That's not normal." <laughs> He's like, "I can't keep doing this. You make me late for work." <laughs> Your train's four trains after mine. It's like, okay, well, what about this person, dude? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, they end up going out, and then um, yeah, it's just it's really interesting how they end up together, and then uh, it's almost like uh, <clears throat> what is it? Um, when a very negative. Uh, person uh, attracts another very negative person you know right yeah and it, and it goes like a typical it's it's like a really avant-garde relationship drama at this point like like we don't even need to go into details about this because there's really nothing integral to it other than the fact that there's a part where you realize they're actually connected to the pigs because of the process of how the whole worm thing works. So there's there's scenes that kind of, there's really obscure scenes that just kind of, every so, the way it cuts together is kind of strange. So to put it in a very, very simple way to understand for, for the listeners is um, these two meet and they start like a relationship and their two corresponding pigs start spending time together. And, yeah. And eventually uh, and then, produce offspring. And then you're also introduced to the man kind of behind everything who you, you know, you encounter at the beginning of the movie. He's also, he's only known as the sampler <laughs> and he's an, he's an avant-garde world music musician. Like he makes avant-garde ambient music using sounds from that. He records from nature, which is, it's, it's kind of a weird touch, uh weird touch for a villain sort of character, but it also goes along with the fact that sound is very important to the movie. Yeah. I think, the 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 uh the the audio point of the movie or not the audio point the audio perspective is like thirty percent dialogue seventy percent ambient music yeah it's uh it's music and then sound design it's you know the way the editing works out like you know that's also one of my favorite scores because like the way the music works it it just all of it always just matched up perfectly. And kind of conveyed the right emotions at the right times, but also just the this guy, the fact that it's this is what he does, but it's also his way of kind of he has this kind of weird it's kind of this weird control thing because there's a part where he's like composing music and it sort of goes along with what's happening to both Chris and Jeff in their lives. Mm -hmm. Like there's just a lot of intercutting of scenes where it's like he's doing something and it just sort of like there's a lot of really interesting match cuts that happen in this movie that kind of tie all these worlds together, which you know it it, it makes it for a really interesting experience. 
And then, you know, along the way, you know, obviously there's obviously some really weird side effects to what happened to them because there's a point where, you know, they start mixing up each other's memories. Yeah. They tell each other stories and then they start to they, they start to lose sight of like, wait, whose memories are like, we talking no, about? No, I was the one who was almost drowned. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yo, no, this happened to me. No, this happened to me. You're like, well, what about this memory? No, that was you. He's like, oh, okay, thanks for that. Like, mm. kind of, they have that kind of I'm allowed of to have this memory. <laughs> that good old dysfunctional relationship. And then, uh, yeah, there really isn't too much to say about the, the second half other than it's just, you know, oh, I take that back. We can talk about the sampler. He can kind of, through these pigs... I was just about to say that was he one can, of my favorite scenes. He kind of he goes to each pig and he actually goes to that person. Like, like he can he, watch he, that person. He hovers his pig. hand around them and it's almost like he has a telepathic connection through the pig to the person that it's tied to. Yeah. Because he notices that like one of them or like there's 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 disruption amongst the pigs. So he starts like sensing it out to be like, All right, where's the problem in my little my herd of human pigs <laughs> right he's just going around different ones like oh what are you up to what are you up to and then there's a point where he sees like there's like ambulance lights flashing but it's like you're confused like wait what's going on he's not he hasn't left the farm yet and then actually goes to where he is in one of the issues that you know one of his pigs is having and it does this really strange thing where you don't know if because i kind of question if you can control what reality do. because you know it's like it repetitively goes through the same scene slight variations of it did you notice that? Yeah. And it was kind of like, okay, what's real in this sense? But yeah, no, it's, it's really cool how he does it. It's like he just, he almost has control. Not like control, but, you know, through these pigs, which is kind of a really strange thing to think about. He's like, he's just going through and just like into different realities almost. I think there's a there's a sub-theme of uh, memory manipulation. And that's that's probably what caused like a bleeding effect between the, the two main characters. Their memories blending into each other. But... Yeah, and and there's also a there's also a particular scene I'm not gonna give away because it's like, it's the one scene you're not gonna like in the movie. But oh there, there, man, <laughs> there's a scene. Uh, <laughs> there's a scene where it does show the effects of either the effects of either plane, you know, work with each other. Like you know, they'll kind of experience things the pigs are experiencing without understanding it or realizing it. Yeah. And then the third act is... Uh... That was very powerful for me. That's That was the point. <laughs> I'm sure you remember all those, like, oh, man, right there. I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> well, it's also... Well, then you get into the scene on why it's significant and why it had to happen. Mm -hmm. Because it, it, it's this whole cycle of why these things were happening, and that's part of it. You know, it's... it's you know, it, you understand the reason why these flowers are so special and why there are these bugs that, you know, you can control minds. Yeah, the third uh, the third one is where they have the breakthrough where they kind of figure out the, what this dude's up to and kind of understand like the, they realize that he's a thing because they don't really realize it. And then, yeah, they do that, which you know that one. Uh, the, I mean, it's the, the the entire third act of the movie is almost devoid of regular dialogue. The most you hear are like quotes from Walden because they have that moment where they kind of see the association. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you know, they end up taking care of him by the end of it. And then they end up, you know, finding other people. Taking care of him in the good old American way with, with, with bullets. <laughs> <laughs> with bullets. <laughs> and then they, they find all these people and kind of like show them like, hey, look, this is what happened. And then they all, they all end up, by the end, they, end, they, end, they go to the pig farm and kind of, you know, take care of the pigs. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody kind of finds the the pig that's uh, representative of themselves. They start they they take over the farm. Like they even start repainting it and stuff. They yeah, kind of they make start it this you know sanctuary. they just like let the pigs roam free and they're just like watching everybody. You know, yeah, it's uh, definitely um, it was an unexpected positive end. Right, and the thing I liked was the way he actually explained it himself was when he was coming with it. It was the movie where it was like she doesn't have everything figured out. She kind of has to just accept it and make the best of it, which is the best way to end it. Cause it's one of those things like, you know, there was a version of it. He wanted to write where it was like, it all made sense, but he realized that that just wouldn't work for this kind of story. You know? So, uh, I guess the question is, uh, what was it like? What was this movie like for you being that you saw, you see things for face value. Was this enough? I mean, obviously, there's things you probably would want to know more, but as far as you know, as a fr- as looking at the canvas, what um, did you think? I will say, as the face, this is one of the rare movies where I I, I felt like I still needed to get just a little bit more. It made out you of want, like, hold on, I want to know like, a little bit more about this and this. Like, and this. I didn't, I didn't need to like understand the. Uh, the, the specific artistic choices or anything like that. I just felt like certain parts needed a little more explaining for me to be satisfied, for me to come away from it and be like, I, I had a full meal, so, you know? Like, I, maybe it's just the the, uh, the the sci-fi person in me, but I wanted the, uh, the mind worms to be explored in further depth, you know? but That makes sense. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it was like, had it been a different movie, it might have. Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing... Because uh, the basic story of it is... These two have every basically everything stripped of them. How do they rebuild themselves? Um, another thing I'll say... Uh, being that I only... I only really care about the end result, the face value of the uh, the media. I'm not a fan of the uh, the flash cut thing. Where they have like a five minute scene and like every ten seconds it's cutting to a different... Like a, either a different scene, like the replaying scene when they're leaving, uh, when that when that when that guy's leaving for work, and she's like, "I want today to be a better day." That yeah. scene, that after like the second or third time that they go through it, I'm like, "All right, I'm sick of this." <laughs> <laughs> like I, it took like two two run throughs, and I was like, "Okay, I understand what's going on here. Can we move on?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's obviously a couple. There's obviously be a thing here or there you might not enjoy this. If, I mean, if, I loved it all, but that's just me. It felt like it went on forever, and uh, that's that's just not my personal thing. You know, it's it's good for other people. It's like when I see a Kevin Smith movie like Tusk, you know, and he has that like it, I hated that movie. Oh, <laughs> that movie's. I mean, it's not a, it's not a great movie, but when when uh, when Guy Lapointe has that uh, that monologue in the diner. Um, oh, yeah. I know it only goes on for maybe like eight minutes, but it but feels for forever. Me, eight it, minutes is still a long time. I swear, time. I swear, a half hour passed in that scene <laughs> alone, and it drove me crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, that definitely, that definitely was a thing I did not but, care for. Or like the the scene where the scene where they're in the pool and they start reading the book. Yeah, you know, like they they mm-hmm. only needed to go a couple lines into it. You know, before they kept cutting back and forth, pool, reading, pool, reading. I was like, you only needed to quote a couple lines from the book, and we all would have got it. You didn't have to go right. as far as you I, at least, At least it kind of, uh, I, liked, I liked the pacing. I mean, it probably could have been a little bit shorter, but, you know, I do, I do like that moment where they're, like, kind of figured out, like, whoa, 
why does this make sense? Even though it's Walden, which is such a weird, which I think, I think he actually included that because it's, um, public domain. Mm-hmm. So he could get away with using it because this movie was made for only, well, it's been reported $50,000 and it was made in secret. Hollywood didn't know about it or anybody in the industry didn't know about it when they were making the movie. And then he even released it on his own, right? Yeah. He even distributed it on his own. He, he debuted it at Sundance and then sent it to theaters himself. And then Dion you know, had to deal with a um, there's some sort of streaming s- company that he struck a deal with, and then you know he sold you know obviously he sold it. it it was in stores but you know sold on his website he sold the soundtrack on vinyl you know you could buy that like that copy you see the first copy you see of Walden that's a custom cover he had designed for the movie oh nice so he had a custom print of Walden with that cover that he was selling okay. which I didn't end up buying a copy of that's a shame. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to try to find it because yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I should get it because it's so cool. Even if you got to get it like from a like third hand, you know, right? I'm, I'm sure it's not for sale on his website anymore. No, that website's down. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think the whole website he had for his whole company is down. Which I don't know. Who, no one knows what he's all up to. He, he, you know, he started in one movie recently, and I think he's got another one away that he produced. But you know, he's been trying to, you know. Obviously, it's not easy for him to get financing, so you know, yeah, we'll, may, we'll maybe see a new movie in a couple of years. He gets one about every almost every decade. I, I, I think his approach is just is just too different for like uh, major Hollywood to back it, and it's right? a shame even, because even though it's he still makes, a good movie. Even though he makes good money mm-hmm. on the low budgets, you know, he's, he he's a, proved he's profitable, and I don't understand why they're not like, yeah. all right, let's put money into this. So, so what did you think? Uh, what did you think of the different elements of the film, as far as like you know the sound design, the music, even like the cinematography, the way like the camera movements? I I appreciated the uh, the cinematography. I, I I liked the 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 angles they chose. I liked how the camera moved in particular scenes. What do you think the, of the microscopic photography? Yeah, oh, that was that was okay. So, because <laughs> that's a really interesting the, part of it. That I I really I really enjoyed that in particular. Not so much towards like the uh, the the end when they when the worm was in there moving around. Right. Cause like it, it was post. It was after the part of the movie where they show that it had grown to be like several feet long yeah. so i was like this feels a little inappropriate because it's showing a teeny little worm when we know it's gotten a lot larger than that but that's that's just me that's just me being a stickler but <laughs> right. I, I did i did appreciate that the sound i felt was a little bit overbearing in some parts not like not like it detracted but i feel like the balance between that audio and uh and other portions of the movie was a little off like i know it's meant to uh to be louder or to sound and more, there are definitely uh, parts that seem unnatural but it was like it was for the purpose of like the scenario like it wasn't supposed to sound natural yeah I, it's not it's not that it didn't sound natural to me it's just that it it came on too strong right it doesn't know? help you're watching it with tv speakers yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's what i'm not, saying it's like, not great this is something i probably should have seen in a theater but you know it's long since past the opportunity <laughs> Right, I listen to. It. I, I watch it because uh, I didn't realize that UICA played it downtown, and I totally missed out on that. Mm-hmm. But I ended up pre-ordering it and buying it anyway, and I listened to it with headphones, which was kind of a fun experience. Oh, maybe maybe I should have done that. Yeah, no, it's a you know overall, it's a it's very unique. You know, it's one of those movies that's like, there's nothing quite like it before it, and you know, no one's gonna make anything like it after it. You know, it's like this dude is very idiosyncratic. In his movies, which is obvious. He only has two, but these two movies have, like, you know, the impact that they've made is, you know, almost unheard of. 
Like, you know, there, there aren't directors who just, like, sort of come out with movies where you're just like, what the hell is this? And then they just sort of disappear for a while. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is just me playing on the word, but the the impact being unheard of is is kind of accurate considering the small amount of people who the aver- know the that average moviegoer isn't going to know who it is. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's definitely a you know I I thought it was a good one because it's it's one you know you don't have to dig deep even if you try there's no way to like everything's sort of rooted in its own uh, yeah. analog like the like the mind control bugs he did that on purpose because he wanted to avoid it being about drugs or a commentary on the drug administration he was like mm-hmm. I had to make it bugs so people wouldn't try to make something of it that it's not so yeah that's the kind of stuff i like that's what my favorite movie is if that tells you anything about me <laughs> uh, it's a fair bit it, it, it lets me it lets me uh scrape the surface of understanding the enigma that is james <laughs> i like weird art <laughs> that's basically what it is oh yeah well, so i think it's about that time so overall i'd say you probably enjoyed it hopefully. oh yeah yeah that's it's, good i was hoping you would i was I, like i said it like last night when i watched it but it is definitely a movie i'm gonna recommend to people we had to not talk about it after watching it because oh. there was so much to talk about <laughs> it was such a challenge <laughs> and this isn't even all of it like there's we could go on for hours but like this is the movie you could talk about for hours but we, we can't do that because we have you know about it we, we try to restrict the podcast to an hour so like the 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 scope between the two between the two movies is we have a we have a fun thrill ride my 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 area where I like to enjoy my movies and then we and, have no we have a fun thrill ride and then we have a thrill ride <laughs> whether it's whether it's fun good or bad is up to you well it's still it's still a bit of a thinker though like even though you can't dive deep into it it's I mean I came away and I'm like I want to know more about this part of it you know it's like the it's like the day that Arthur steals the open box mine was the puzzle box. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that wraps up episode three. It's going to be coming out on a Wednesday. We're a little bit ahead recording wise. Episode yeah. two will be launching before, you know, actually a few days after this wraps. Yeah. So, I'm excited for episode four, honestly. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> yeah, because like you, you like a lot of weird art and like when it, when it comes to me being really weird, it's in the musical aspect. Well, I actually had an idea how I wanted to do that because I know it's like, you know, I think we should really play up how we're opposites. I think you should give me a playlist. I'll give you a full album. Well, that's what I was but my full, honestly. but my, but my full album it almost is like a playlist. <laughs> okay, I think you like it. There's a lot of it's, it's really, it's really interesting. I think you'll like it. So yeah, yeah. Next time it'll be uh, we'll be trading favorites again, but you know, this this time it'll be music. So as always, you know, follow us on whatever platforms we are on. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Currently exclusively streaming on Audius until further development. Uh, first episode got 50 plays so far, so. Keep at it. Yeah. Give us those numbers. <laughs> just, we just need to get it out further. Um, but other than that, it's your boys. Yes. Signing off. Yeah. Remember, stay hydrated. It's very important. Very. Until next week. <laughs>